G'day listeners, welcome to the Braintainment Podcast. This show is an interesting mix between pop culture and personal development with a very wide range of guests that come on the show for a chat from the sports space, philosophy, health and fitness, entertainment and everything in between. The idea is to entertain or to educate you guys and hopefully sometimes both, either through just myself or with the guests that come on the show as we explore different ideas and concepts and have some really interesting conversations. The mission with the Braintainment podcast is to raise a million dollars and that all starts with uh, building an audience and a platform. So thank you for tuning in. Our goal is to raise a million dollars towards brain injury recovery and research. So if you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends and family and be sure to subscribe. With that said, strap in and enjoy this episode. Okay, welcome back to the podcast, folks. Today's chat is one that I've been looking forward to for a little while now, and I couldn't be more excited to dive in. I know you guys are going to love it. Uh, I'm joined by former NFL star and American Ninja Warrior, Anthony Trucks. He's also now an international speaker, host of the Awe Shift podcast, which I thought was a pretty cool title, we'll talk about, I'm sure, and the founder of Identity Shift Coaching. He uses cutting-edge science and psychology to upgrade how we operate so we can elevate our life uh, and our business where appropriate to reach our full potential. His journey, though, has been a crazy one, and perhaps what I was most interested in connecting with Anthony today, uh, he was given up to foster care at the age of three, endured beatings, starvation, even forms of torture, and before ultimately being adopted as the only black person in a loving but poor white family. He found sports, of course, which we'll, we'll talk about uh, today, but along with a pretty extensive list of personal and professional challenges that he continues to run up against throughout his journey, and I might let him touch on that a little bit today. Uh, even contemplated suicide at one point, so super fascinating to consider where he's at today. Uh, he had his NFL career cut tragically short by a devastating injury. Now he's created a new and thriving business, teaching others how to navigate the crazy shifts that we all have to learn how to deal with, which we can all relate to on some extent, particularly given the current situation we're all faced with amidst COVID-19. So with all that said, mate, appreciate you taking it, uh, taking the time to connect with me today and welcome to the show, Anthony. Hey, happy to be here, man. Thank you. Well done on the intro, bro. Thank you. <laughs> mate, I could uh, I could keep going for hours and hours on your story, but uh, just out of respect to your time, thought I'd keep it relatively short and just dive into a few ideas I'd like to explore with you. And I think a good place to start, mate, is to, is to talk about identity. Yeah. I know you talk a lot about the power of identity. It's something that I talk a lot about on this show and even off air with friends and family. You know, it's, it, I've become insanely fascinated, uh, fascinated with the idea of how we see ourselves and the impact that has our, on our life. Yeah. And I know you've uh, you've said our uh, our failure or our success is often determined by our identity. So I'd love for you just to kick things off, expanding on that idea, what impact our identity has. And I suppose for you, mate, given your story, how did you start to shift how you saw yourself, particularly given, you know, what you've been through? Yeah. I mean, so start an identity. One, it's something we all have, right? Everybody has an identity. You can ask, hey, who are you? And you'll start rattling some things off. Uh, and it's interesting because most people think identity is this kind of philosophical, spiritual, what's really a tangible part of who we are and what we create in life. Uh, it's really anchored uh, and the vein will call it a mindset. Everybody understands how important a mindset is to have. It's strong and can actually be capable of achieving things in life. What's funny, however, is most people do not know that there's science that shows that if you do not self-categorize as whatever it is, an entrepreneur or a, um, a mom or a dad, what you'll find is that all the techniques that you may want to apply in terms of mindset will never grab hold. So you'll never be able to utilize the mindset because you just won't think it's you. So it's interesting. Identity is a very foundational piece of who we are and what we will be able to achieve in our lives. 
And so the work I do is able to have people, one, see what their current identity is, then two, architect what they want their ideal identity to be for the dream they want to achieve or how they want to operate their life, and then activate that in their real life. Because essentially, if you were the person to have the things you want, well, you'd already have them, I guess the best way to explain it. And for me, that was just, man, years of ups and downs and breaking my life, I'll call it, and going through crazy and then going, I call it the long way around. Like I did not take the shortcut, but I think it's good because it allows me to be able to come back and talk to people having lived through so many of their experiences to help them shortcut it. Yeah, absolutely. I mentioned at the top there, you know, you're a foster child and a whole slew of other challenges throughout your three journey. Uh, was there particular, I suppose, thoughts of your, of how you saw yourself or your situation that you found in hindsight really held you back for a period of time? Yeah, it's, it's that, I mean, it's the all ever knowing, you know, not good enough thing that we all have. It, mm. People nowadays call it the imposter syndrome. I mean, I, my first memories of life of my mom giving me away and being beaten and starved and tortured in foster care, you know, it's like you you don't grow up thinking you're supposed to do very much. Even statistics in America will show you like 75% of our inmates in prisons are former foster kids. 50% of our homeless population are former foster kids. Like less than one of us go to what you guys would call uni, but our colleges. So dude, I'm not supposed to do good. So a lot of my life was this thought of like, I'm not supposed to have much. Like I'm not supposed to do, you know, whatever it is that my dreams are. Mm -hmm. And so that's the same thing a lot of people deal with is, you know, who am I to start that business? Who am I to be with that guy or that girl? Who am I to, you know, to have success and get a promotion in my career. And so because even though our words will say that, you know, oh, I got this, there's a lot of people that in the dark behind closed doors, they will still question their ability and their their capability of doing something. So they never fully lean into it. And because of that, they never get it. And then they live a whole life of regret or make excuses for why it didn't happen, even though their gut knows it's a bad excuse. And so, man, that was, that was my start. Like that's how I began life. And I literally had to build this guy. I had to architect him from scratch, understand who I was, architect him when all, you know, hell broke loose and then activate this guy into the world painstaking step by step. Yeah, I love that. I love how you, I love that terminology as well, that idea of building or architecting this new identity. You know, it's not it's not something you find under the pillow one night. It's you don't miraculously wake up one day and no. you know, this new person. It is a process. Um, and it can be pretty it can be painstaking. It can be tough. Yeah. What's a good place to start for people who, I know people listening will just relate, like I said a couple of times, to some extent, you know, they, they have a, uh, at least an abstract idea of what's holding them back. But how do you then start that process of going, okay, this is who I want to be. Um, I'm going to start moving in that direction. I, I would imagine part of it is just having some sort of clarity of, you know, how you want to show up in the world. Yeah, it's a big part of it. You know, it's funny is, is uh, so that, that's the same question I asked. Like, because when I got to this realization of, man, the one thing I'm really good at it's navigating shift, yeah. like dealing with crazy, which is where the podcast name, like, oh, shift. There's all oh, shift, great moments, and oh, shift, this sucks moments. And that's what comprises life. So for me, I asked the same question. And so I was like, man, what is the answer, right? Because I'd found a long way around. What's the short way? So I started looking at, like, what's my life? Where did things take place? And then connecting those dots between, like, neuroscience and how the brain, you know, works in terms of neuroplasticity. And like, where's psychology tie in? Like, how can we look at some of the greatest minds that looked at the greatest minds and said, how do these things work? And so it came to where I could pick out this really unique process that, uh, that I now teach. All my coaching is wrapped in this. And it's what helps people make money and save marriages and save some people's lives. And it's not this, you know, crazy, non-tangible thing. It's tangible. I see people that actually make more money and actually are happier and actually are doing things or building businesses. So the first step you kind of alluded to it, which was good is clarity is a big piece, but is what most people don't do is they, they, they get a little bit of clarity. They don't really get to the root of it. So uh, I tell people you have to 
remember why you started, right? Or, or it's like, go back to the why. And what most people do is they'll get a, a kind of a clear why and it'll push them a little bit. But then what they want to do is jump to the work. Like everybody wants to get things done fast. They'll jump to the, the I want to get some stuff done. They'll start working on stuff. And what they run into is this problem where like, they'll start working, they'll get drained and they'll be like, why am I not farther ahead right now? Like, why, hmm. why is it all this time and energy? I don't have the money or the job or the happiness I thought I was supposed to have. And so I, I kind of ache in it to like, imagine climbing this ladder, you lean against a building, huffing and puffing all the way to the top and you get to the top of the building and you go, holy crap, this ladder's leaning against the wrong building. I got to go back down and start over. And so what I do is I, I tell people there's three stages and actually it's called the shift method. This is the method I created from all these years of just crazy and unpacking and teaching and I, my clients go through it and it's C, shift, sustain. So what I just told you is the shift process. People will go and do the work to shift. They'll engage, they'll create, they'll do these things. But the problem is they get to the other end. They're like, man, this sucks. And it's usually because they didn't go back to the C stage because the C stage, dude, it sucks. The C stage for me was like, I had to sit there and, and figure out why I was part of the process as to why my wife had an affair, why I was a reason why my, I, my kids had a, a kind of crappy dad. Like my businesses weren't going very well. I had, you know, I was out of shape and it just all these things that were always detrimental. Like I was the common denominator. And what's problematic is most of us, our ego does not want to see that. So we'll do the things that we want to be okay with talking about in public, but we won't do the real work. Like we, we, cause that's just, just scary, man. It, it gets to your heart. And so most people, they try and work really hard at some, whatever they think hopefully will pan out, but really they didn't do the right work. And so what happens is now you're dead tired. Now you're broke. Now you have nothing to show for it all because you weren't honest with yourself as to what really needed to happen or what really needed to be worked on. And that's kind of like you talked about. That's the clarity. Mm. But dude, it's hard. It's hard to find clarity if you if you just get internal. Like a lot of my process has to do with internal and external research processes. And that's the hard part for most people. But cool thing is once you actually do that, it's like unhitching the trailer from the truck. Like now it's like, oh, I'm light. I can go. <laughs> And then people can do better work. And it's actually, you'll find that it's easier to do the work because you're doing the right work. Dude, I uh, I absolutely love that. I'm, gr I'm grinning from ear to ear. I reckon that is, it's super relatable. I know for myself, you know, like I, I feel like work ethic's never been a massive challenge when I'm, you know, going after things that are important to me. But often I've, I still find myself fatigued and, you know, just talking to people on this show. Um, they've done well in different fields. But again, people off off it, you know, everyone can relate in some way. Like I find I'm, I'm fatigued and I'm tired and I'm, uh, and, and I don't know what it is. I feel like my work ethic is high, but then in hindsight, on reflection, it's it's that moment like you kind of touched on, like, oh shit, like what what am I actually doing this for? Yeah. What wall was this ladder up against? I really like that analogy, and I, I suppose too many people just get stuck in that do do do, which is obviously a massive part of the process. You have to actually execute, but man, unless you know exactly what you're working towards, it's a pretty empty cycle. Yeah, you can spin your wheels in one direction and, and literally be spinning your wheels. That's what happens. People get busy being busy. And we know this. You know, it's crazy. I notice with a lot of people, like they'll get planners. This is a perfect way to explain it. How many people have a planner but have no idea how to plan? <laughs> they, they just, I got a planner. All right, what are you going to do with that? Oh, I'm going to write some stuff in here that I'm going to do. <laughs> and then nothing gets done. <laughs> so I, I go back, like a lot of my process, I actually created my own planner for my own clients and myself that is called the GPS planner. Because a lot of it boils down to like some people, you're not going to walk outside your house and say, how do I get to mom and dad's house? Uh, and just walk outside and start wandering around town. Like you need to know where am I at? Where am I going? What's the path in between? That's how GPS does. So I was like, all right, well, I should make a planner that actually does that for people. So a lot of it is, yeah, we got to have this plan so that you actually can sit down and know how to plan so you can close the distance between where you are and where you want to be.
And so, yeah, a lot of people get stuck being busy and it's, it's difficult because then what happens is they stop having faith that their work will do anything for them. And that's a bad place to be. Yeah, absolutely. And again, you know, I'm sure people listening can relate. Uh, I've been there. Uh, I'm sure you have as well on the journey. You mentioned that, so the C-shift sustain process, I really like that. Just on the sustain part, I've found, and tell me if you agree, I know you do a lot of coaching with people, you know, you can get underway in this process and you can have the clarity and, and then start to make some real shifts in your, you know, obviously identity and identifying what it is that you want and even in your behaviors. But you know, old habits die hard. I think it's the saying, right? So, h- how does that um, how does that sustain part of the process come in, and, and how is it important? Yeah. So, the biggest thing is we we have to have a so the the shift phase is designed. We actually design the ideal identity. You develop it, you deploy it, you debrief it. It's a process you go through. It's called you create creates. Like what you create in turn creates you. If I create this amazing body, it creates a confident self that feels good about myself. Or if I create a business, I feel like I'm the I'm an actual business owner, right? So what I created creates me. The problem is some people go down that path and you'd be surprised. Like they'll create something and they'll start losing the, the trajectory. They'll make a U-turn if they're driving. So actually the, the sustained phase is three stages. It's drive, hive, and thrive. So the first part of that is saying, all right, I've got this plan and process. It's moving and I'm going. But what happens is some people will lose sight of the, the actual things it took to get them there. They'll stop doing them. And then the next thing you know, they took a U-turn, they're back at square one somehow. Like I have clients, I had a guy who sold a business for $1.1 million. And then we were working together to launch a, like an online kind of continuity program. And dude, for a, lot, a few months, three, four months, I was like, what, dude, what's going on? Why can't you do it? He's like, I, truth is, I feel like the selling of my business was an accident. I shouldn't have told, I shouldn't have been the guy to do that. And I was like, wow, like you, you've, you somehow took a, a U-turn. <laughs> like you built this thing up and you went down the street. How did you get back to square one? And so we started figuring out what it was. He wasn't sustaining, which means he wasn't actually the drive portion, wasn't checking in to make sure he was still heading in the right direction. He started to do things that were outside of what it took to get there. So he wasn't driving the right direction anymore. And he wasn't checking in on the reasons why he was doing it. Like before, it was just like it was this huge push to prove people wrong, to make sure, you know, he could do it, to save the family. But after a while, like he had some stuff and he kind of got lazy. He was like, I just, you know, it kind of was just like it kind of slid, it backslid. And so I was like, okay, wow, people really got to get to the point of clarifying. Do I have a process in place to make sure I'm driving in the right direction and I keep my drive? Second part is hive. And this is kind of that one that's interesting. Everybody knows there's people in your life you got to get rid of. It just, it's the nature of it. And there's people you got to add to it. Funny thing is it's just as scary for both. It is just as hard to get rid of somebody you care about because you know they're anchoring you down as it is to enter a new space with people that are kind of a stretch above you and feel inadequate. Like, it's a weird thing that people navigate. I'm like, hey, bro, you got to find a better crew, like a better group of people. But like, hey, lady, like, find your sisters. And she's like, oh, yeah, but that group I want to be in. I don't know if I'm a good fit. I don't know. How, and like, how am I going to, am I good enough? And so like, wow, you see that this, this community is a big piece. So that's a big part of it is, do you have a hive of people? Just like bees have a hive that create honey that's sweet. Do you have a hive of people that creates this sweet life for yourself? And the last part of it's going to be what I essentially call thrive. And thriving is when you've done well enough and you are thriving, the next thing you do, like once you've had some success, it's like, well, how do I get happy again? What's the thing I can do to get a similar level of joy? And what that boils down to is I got to give. Because like the first hamburger, if I have 10 hamburgers, it's actually the, the law of marginal utility. The first hamburger I'm hungry is great. Second one's still good. Third one, I'm like, I'm getting full. Fourth hamburger, I want to throw up right now. <laughs> but I have six more hamburgers. So what do I do with these six hamburgers? And I still want to feel good. Oh, I give them away to other people who are hungry. And so at that point, when you've got this thing moving, some people get to great success and then they just feel empty. 
Like, what do I do next? Where's the next? And what you find is like, they're not thinking, oh, I'm thriving. How can I give back? Because then what happens, you realize what you must do to give back, which means maybe you got to make more money. You got to you know learn some more things, get a new skill. And it repeats the process of, okay, let me see what's in my way for being able to give back at a high level. Let me design that identity and shift to that person who does that. And the wheel spins and spins. Man, that's huge. Yeah, that, that is fantastic stuff and super important. Is that essentially how you found yourself in the space you're in now? So we'll talk a bit about your story in a moment, but um, that thrive side of things and being able to give back, you now work with people as a coach, you do a lot of speaking. Yeah. Was that essentially born out of this idea that, okay, how can I take what I've experienced, the lessons I've learned along the way, and how can I give back and teach people you know, these lessons that have been massive for you. Yeah, I mean, in the beginning, it wasn't. It was just, how do I do well for me, right? The beginning was, I want to play football. I want to, you know, make some money. I want to build my business. I, I, I. And that's, you know, that's what you naturally do. You have to be able to create something. You can't you can't give what you don't have. You know, I can't give you joy and happiness if I don't have it inside. Or I can't give you money if I don't have it in my bank account, right? So right. I got to figure out the I part. But then, yeah, you get to that point of like, you know, I'd, I'd now I'd gone through the gamut of, you know, losing my marriage and my kids and my business was horrible and I was out of shape, losing it all, losing my mom. And then realized like, man, I really didn't want to be here. Like I was like this, if this is what life is like post football, like this is not, no, I'm cool. Like I'll check out. Like that's what my brain went to. And there was this perspective and these momentary shifts and people in my life that made it very transparently clear that the things I have experienced in life were not by accident. Like I'm a man of faith and my faith had escaped me for a lot of years and I was in just dark times. And, and what I realized was all this stuff I've been going through, somebody planted a seed and said, look, we all are people in this community. We see what you've done. Like you're an inspiration without even knowing it. And it was a first seed of like, wow, well, if I'd been accidentally helping these people in some capacity from seeing me and, and serving them, what if I did it on purpose? Like what it was like this really like, let me go and learn and apply. Cause for me, like I, I, I did like the idea of giving back in a way that wasn't given to me growing up. Mm. The problem was like at the time, I wasn't the guy to do it. Unfortunately, some people have a desire to want to help people, but what they do is like, they haven't crossed the finish line yet. So they're in the middle of the race telling you how to run the race they'd never run. Mm. And like, I'm a proponent of, I need you to cross the finish line so you can turn around and go, oh, wow. I took a left turn, but you know what? If I were you, I wouldn't, I would have done this way. I would have, I would have stopped, I would have paused, I would have read that sign. And so for me, like I, I started first working on my life so I could cross some finish lines, fix my marriage, get the business built back up, become a present and great father when I do, get in shape, like get all these things done and really understand them. So then now I'm like, you know what? I got a great deal of confidence in the fact that I can help your life. And so I went in from there, started creating, and then I've got to the next tier for myself of like, I thrive, man. I hmm. have a seven-figure business. I have a family that, that I love, that loves me. I get to do weird stuff. Like I'm preparing to fly out for a TV show to a different country, all these cool things. And it's not, it's nothing where I'm like, look at me. It's like, man, I want to reach my full potential. And I really want to see how I can get everybody else to use me as like, hey, I can trust and follow this guy and then apply the things I teach. Because if I'm telling you how to do this, I better be doing it myself. Like, that's just how I just look at it. So I'm not going to stop my process and say, oh, I'm good. I'm done. Like, all right, guys, let me teach everything. Like, I'm still going to run the race. I'm just cross this finish line and I'm in the next stage of it. But I remember that backstage. Let me tell you about it. 
do you find that um, just going back to the identity conversation, that idea of like this is the stuff that you're talking about and the fact that you do the work behind closed doors when no one's looking, when there's no accolades, do you find that that just further helps grow your identity in the right direction? Oh, hell yeah. For me, mate, I reckon, look, I'm, I'm far from, you know, cross the finish line, but uh, one of the big shifts in my personal life and something I'm really passionate about talking about is this idea of how you feel about yourself when you buy yourself should be a real north star mm-hmm. of, you know, of how you live your life. And it's easy to put on a show. And I think the work you do behind the scenes just makes you feel like a, you know, fucking rock star, part of my language. Yeah. And that's been, that, that, that's been huge. So I imagine for you, just to that point, that work that you're doing and, and constantly wanting to, um, you know, show up as the best version of yourself, it's probably just a non, you know, a cycle in the right direction. Does that make sense? Yeah, hundred percent. You are speaking my language, man. It, it, it's that. Here's what I realized about the imposter syndrome. We as human beings will absolutely not settle for less. Like if I go to the store and they told me that I am going to uh, to get a free, I don't know, backpack with this thing, I'm gonna get my backpack because I deserve that backpack. Right? <laughs> That's what the coupon said. And so if you think about it, the imposter syndrome is this thing where you're asking for something that you don't think you deserve. It's really what it boils down to. Like you're, you're asking for someone to pay you money for a product you created, but you don't, you don't really know if you deserve it, right? Or uh, you're asking, you, want to, you want to have people listen to you on social media, but you really don't know if you're the guy or girl to talk about that. So when I look at the simple base of it, it's like, well, the only reason you feel like an imposter is because you don't think you deserve what comes with that. So then why don't you deserve it? What can you do to deserve it? And this is exactly what you talked about. You got to do the work in the background in the dark that nobody sees. Like it just has to, you have to do the reading because here's what happens. Humans, we're investment based humans. If I invest something, I want a return. If I give you a hundred dollars and you say you're going to give me a 10% return, I better get $110 back. I want that. I deserve that. That's my, that's my return on my investment. So for a lot of people, they want the return without the investment. I want to feel like I should have that, but I didn't invest. And we all know what that rule investment is. It's like, if the thing says catch a workout, did you catch the workout? Uh, it, it could be as simple as, you know, did you say you're going to eat healthy this week and you broke it, had some ice cream? Um, did you lie to somebody? It's a small lie. Did you, did, were you late to a call and you told somebody I'm always on time? These little things that people don't grasp, those are the things that when it comes time to record a video, to record a podcast, to ask for a raise, you won't do it because you know in your gut, part of you believes that you don't deserve it. And so it's it's really a matter of the work you do in the dark will determine what you create in the light. Yeah, I love that. Man, I reckon I could just talk with you for hours and hours on end. Um, and I, th- look, I think one of the most impressive things about you is you've been able to uh, not just endure tough times, which we've kind of touched on throughout the chat already, but really just flip the script um, entirely and use those situations as, as lessons. And I think, you know, what's interesting is a lot of people – find themselves figuratively crippled mm-hmm. by setbacks or hard times and then that obviously leads into identity and they're kind of stuck in that cycle right so the fact that you've been able to you know you sort of joked about it earlier it, it wasn't it didn't happen straight away it's been a, you know, a bit of a process for you but yeah. ultimately get to a point where you're able to use those situations as lessons mm-hmm. how did you how did you start going about that and were there any particular lessons that stand out to you from some of the challenges you've faced in your life Oh yeah, I mean that's that's how life is lived, man. All these all these moments. There's a quote I create, and I think it uh, has something to do with the fact that um, failures are the, the the fuel of of those who oh, I got messed it up. I don't, I'm gonna find it because it's a great quote, and I think it ties perfectly to this because it has to do with the thought of how I fail. And I just took a picture of it today, actually. <laughs> so here is the quote. The quote goes: "Excuses are the fuel of those who are failures, but failures are the fuel of those who succeed." Oh. I like that. Like it's a, it's one that I was like, man, that, that it, I randomly said it one day. I was like, ooh, that, that matters. Because what happens is all these things I've done, 
I've had a lot of failure, man. Like it's been a ton and I've had a lot of reasons to give up. I mean, I could have gave up whenever my, my wife had an affair and I, you know, I was like, ah, oh, women suck. I'd never be with women again, you know, and, and, or my, you know, I had like, I found my real dad at 21 and he told me that he didn't know I existed and found out later on, he did know I existed the entire time. People stealing from me in business, all these things that have happened. You get to this point where like, man, it just sucks. Why is, why is life like this? And do I deserve these things? And how's, you know, just do I, what do I learn from them? And I think that was the big thing for me was all these situations. I would go back and I would start figuring out how it happened. And so the failures I had, what I was, I've always been quick to do is like, where is my fault in this? And and when you ask about the lessons I learned from the situations, like I had to learn a lesson. I was a 25 year old kid with three kids, my high school sweetheart. We didn't know who we were. I was trying to find my identity after I left the NFL on an injury. And I was just neglecting everything. My wife was at home with two brand new babies, twins by herself. I was gone 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Like she was doing a whole bunch of stuff she didn't need to do and shouldn't have. So when she made a crappy decision, which was have an affair, it's like, man, you blame it on her. How could you make such a horrible choice? But then the thing is like, oh, Anthony, it, she didn't get to the place of having to make a choice by herself, man. Like you, she wasn't even doing it to hurt you. She was doing it to get what she needed for herself that I wasn't serving. And it sucks. And it should have been a different conversation. But this is how it happened. And if you want to be a better man in a, in a relationship, you got to you know meet the express and unexpressed needs in business. Hey, Ant, uh, you, you think it is a big football player who everybody should train with you in your gym, but realistically, you don't know how to run a business, man. Like you got to figure out why every two weeks you're struggling to to make ends meet. That's that's something you got to figure out. It ain't about the the market and who cares if it's 08 and it's the bad market. You got to figure it out because if somebody else is winning, how are they winning? So a lot of the things I, I did was I I turned everything into the mirror. And I was like looking dead. And this is funny. I just did this an hour ago. I do this daily. Like I'm preparing for things. I will stand in front of a mirror. I will stare in my pupils and talk to myself like a crazy man. No, no lie. If you walked in, you'd be like, what is this dude's crazy? <laughs> but I want I need to have the conversation, like you said, with the guy that a lot of people, like they, they, they don't get to know, which is themselves. A lot of people are, are afraid of being alone because they don't like who they're alone with. And, and for me, that was me. Yeah, that is huge. It's so true. Do you think there's a a large part of that process of, you know, becoming who you've been able to come is about forgiveness? And look, full disclosure, this is the sort of, this is a conversation that I'm not as well versed in, but I find it super fascinating, right? I think a lot of people, I mean, it's easy to see from afar, you get caught up in anger. And to make it kind of more, more specifically, more specific, what I'm alluding to is I heard you talk about you know, as a child, as a teen coming up, like you actually, you were quite angry and you had some temperament issues, which is almost impossible to imagine, you know, after connecting with you and seeing the work you do now, you know, really positive guy, but you haven't always been that way. Um, I think a lot of people hold on to blame and, you know, and and unable to forgive people, even though on paper, Mm -hmm. it'd be easy to build a case against those, those people. But number one, you know, you lose your sense of agency as soon as you blame someone else and two it just doesn't really it doesn't serve you in any way right so has that been a massive part of uh, of your process to getting to where you're at today yeah i mean forgiveness is a humongous piece uh you know because at the end of the day like you said you give people agency they give them control i I say you can't give people the keys to drive you crazy Mm -hmm. and and what happens is if you if you let them stay in that place and you just want them to do this you know want them to apologize want them to get it you can want all you want. But the problem is you're keeping yourself in these shackles. And, and now what happens is you damage the next moments of your life. And for me, I've got to this really clear place in my life is I want to always at all times make the next moments of my life as great as possible, even when something crazy happens. 
And so I have control over that, even if it's how I choose to see something to pursue the next level to be great. So I've had situations with you know my biological mom and being angry at her for giving me away for so many years, or the foster parents that beat me, or the kids at school that called me you know racial names, or just you know even in an adult life, my wife having an affair, being cut by professional football teams, you know, not having businesses that didn't do well, and having clients do shady stuff, and and staff do shady stuff, and agents I work with do shady. It's, you just seem the more you try to push out into the world, the more you expose yourself to get darts thrown at your face. And, and what happens is those who do that, they're like, if, if you let it control you to a certain level, then you'll never, you'll never show your face again. You'll never go to anything great. And so I was like, man, I don't want that to be the case. I don't want someone to have control. So like, let me see if I can find a way to alleviate that strain. And what I realized was I'm going to give a lot of people grace. And the reason was because I had this realization that unfortunately in life, a lot of people aren't, they're not malicious. Like a lot of people, they're not trying to actively hurt you that some are, let's be real, some are, the majority are just selfish. And that's really what it boils down to. They just think of themselves. They do things to get their needs met. They do things that they are equipped to do that they think are right. My mom was not equipped to take care of her kids, so she gave it to a system. It sucks. The foster parents I was with, they weren't equipped to do anything they needed to do to take care of a kid. And it sucks. Like they're just bad people. You know, my wife, she wasn't equipped to handle a situation like it was a crazy marriage. Her parents never taught her. Uh, my real dad, like he he didn't know. He was a young guy. I had a kid out of wedlock. I have an older and a younger sister with a different woman that are half like that. He didn't know that. So it's like, man, all these people, if I can just realize that if anything, I, I should feel a little bit of pity for their situation because that's also a heavy weight to carry. Like, man, my heart hurts for him a little bit. When you get to that place, you stop feeling all that anger for what they got going on. You forgive it a little bit because you can grasp why from a logical standpoint. And then you realize, like, man, I'm not trying to carry that anymore. Like, that's just, it's illogical for me. Like, I'm just going to do my thing. And then the other piece of forgiveness that people always forget about is personal forgiveness. It's that aspect of, I don't like the person I'm quiet and alone with. So I'm going to distract myself by women and men and drinking and drugs and partying because I don't like this person because this person, you know, they didn't pass their test in college. They dropped out and their parents were ashamed of them. Um, or, you know, I, I did this woman wrong or I stole this thing, whatever it is, that weight sits on our psyche. Those things you do in the dark, they sit on you. And then if you don't forgive yourself, you don't think you deserve much. So guess what you do? You self-sabotage, you make excuses, then your life becomes this tornado spinning out of control. Dude, to, to that point of personal forgiveness, I think that is massive. You know, I see a lot of people get stuck. I struggle with it. It sounds like you've been able to recognize where that's been a problem in your life as well. How, here's one for you. It's, a little bit of not so much a curveball, but I think it's just a, a conversation worth exploring before we sort of dive into a couple other things that you've been up to is this idea of having a chip on your shoulder as well. So I know you've spoken about that. Um, I talk about it a little bit, and I think there is some power in being able to leverage it to your advantage if it's done the right way. So how do, how do we find the kind of – like how do we filter through what we've just spoken about, you know, this idea of forgiveness and becoming – what is essentially you know, free, uh, freeing and liberating to an extent when you let go of that hate and unnecessary emotion and anger towards someone else um, at, or towards yourself. But, um, but, but yeah, add in the element of like, okay, I've had this backstory. I've let myself down. Other people let me down. This has happened. How do I use that as a fuel to sort of propel me forward without, without overdosing? Like, how do you get that mix right? Yeah, you know, I think it boils back to, there's a story in that I think it boils back to what we talked about. So I was a kid, 15 years old. I'd played football for two years. I'd been adopted at 14. Couldn't play football, American football, until I was, uh, you know, free and actually adopted. 
So I played my first two years and I sucked, man. Like I was really, really bad at the game. And I actually gave it up. I'm like, I'm chalking this up. My mom's sick. My brother's in the military. Nobody's around. Like, I'm just hanging out. I'm, you know, it's just like, I'm not supposed to do anything great. I'm this lowly foster kid. And I had this, this moment that kind of woke me up. And then I decided, like, I'm going to be great at football. And what happened was this entire offseason, it was like a good six months, man. Every single day, I would throw a ball in the air and catch it on my back 500 times a day. I'd run routes every single day. I'd lift weights every single day. I'd do push-ups every single day. The first day was hard because, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know if I'm the guy that does this. I'm just a sucky football player. And then you get to the point where, like, you, know, you have other people like, hey, what are you doing, man? Oh, I'm working out. Yeah, but you suck. You know, so you have this imposter syndrome. And what happens, you know, first day, it's, it's, it's tough. First week, it's still tough. First two weeks, it's like, eh, it still kind of sucks. A month in, you're like, oh, this is hard. Do I keep going? My body's still sore. But then when you get to, like, two, three months, you're like, I feel good. I'm getting stronger. Like I'm catching the ball better. Like I'm, I, I'm a little bit, I got the weights better. I don't care what you say. Six months later, next, next season, how dare you say I'm not great. I will not, I'm catching this football and you're not going to catch the football on me. I am making this tackle. You're not making this tackle because I earned this in the dark. I did this. I made this faster, stronger body. I did the reps. I sweated out. I got hurt. I got healthy. I did this. Therefore, you don't get to take this from me. And this is where I learned that process of what you create creates you. Too many people, unfortunately, are trying to create for an achievement. They're trying to create this thing to make a million dollars to even the whole aspect of to, to you know impact a million lives. It's like, man, there's so much you're missing because what you're doing, you're driving off the achievement. And I don't know about you, man, but sometimes I want pizza for dinner. Sometimes I want to have a hamburger. Like it can change. What I want can change. It just can. Yep. And so realizing that, I was like, dude, what if I just don't look at the achievement? What if I figure out like from that learning experience, who do I got to be that just has these things? Like this is where the, the identity part became something I didn't realize I was really understanding at a young age, but like growing into. But like what happens is when you get to that point of you create, you create this internal, creepy, strong, confident, but not cocky, like cool, collected, settled inside human. Like I can go into any room and have my chest up high because like I know who I am. And what that does, it puts me in position where I won't let myself down. I will not settle for less than what I deserve because of the work I've done to create this guy. And so when you ask how do people get to that level, I'm telling you, create not just for the purpose of the achievement, because that's going to be a cool thing, but create for the purpose of like, I'm doing it so I become that person internally and I believe it. I know it's who I am. I will fight for that person. And then you'll see that life legitimately flips a switch and all of a sudden, like you start succeeding, like it's your second nature. You look at the people we know, there's everybody. I guarantee you know someone who's just like, they have like that Midas touch. Everything they touch turns to gold. How is that person always figure it out? Why is it they always got? And it's nothing more than who they are behind the scenes and in front of the scenes to where what they do is all the things that you're stressing off of that you're like, man, I don't, I don't know if I can write this that long or read this or work out that long for them. It's who they are. They look at you like, how do you not? Like, that's my that's my typical Tuesday morning. And I keep going like you're dying on that. When you start getting that realization of like you have to stretch your capabilities by stretching yourself. dude. I'm telling you, like, there's nothing that will stop you. And that that's what you see as successful people have. They just have this it that they created over time. Huge. I love that so much. Just on the NFL career, Anthony, you touched on it there. Um, so, you know, sort of joked earlier, I could riff on this sort of this, these ideas with you for hours on end. But uh, I'm a massive sports guy, and look, people listening might be as well. So, just a, just a couple on that uh, that experience you had 
with football. Any highlights or standout memories for uh, for you from your time as a professional athlete? Oh, man, yeah. There's a whole bunch of good moments, bad moments, good moments. I mean, <laughs> there's times that I've had sacks and great plays and not getting credit. And then, you know, times when you realize at the end of the day, like for me, football was not supposed to be in my future. I think it's actually I, I was supposed to get hurt. God put that in my life so I could create something more for the world than just tackles and sacks, you know, like. So, I mean, there's, there's moments. I mean, there's a whole bunch. I mean, I stripped Adrian Pierce at the goal line when I was in college, NFL. You know, I've sat guys in like the four or five yard line and made it ESPN's top 10 plays of a week. Like, it's cool stuff, really. But at the end of the day, man, the most impactful stuff is like, you know, getting letters from kids that, you know, that watch my videos or going to speak and you hear people come back later on like, dude, like this, you know, saved my life. Yeah. I was thinking of taking my life until I watched this video or, you know, kids who knew before never had another foster kid come back and talk to them and, and didn't realize that there was great people doing things past foster care. So you start to plant these seeds and it's like, dude, I, I never could have planted a seed with a helmet on. Nobody even knew my face, but now I get to do this stuff. But what's cool is that football gave me the pedestal yeah. to allow someone that, that 15 seconds to enter their life. Prior to that, it's like, it's just another guy talking, but oh, NFL, oh, what do you do now? I get that 15 seconds to talk. And that 15 seconds lets you plant a seed. And then if I'm good at planting the seed, I get to water it for him too. And I imagine your time on Ninja Warrior would probably serve that same purpose as well. Oh, yeah. Ninja Warrior is interesting because that, as much as like I played the NFL in my hometown, I'm like the, one of the only, you know, few NFL guys. I think there's like four of us out in my hometown. And it's funny in public, nobody knows me. But then sure enough, I'm out, you know, I'm out and about. And people are like, did you, or did you do Ninja Warrior? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I did. Like last year, you didn't remember the NFL stuff, but sure enough, yeah, that's me. That's fantastic. So clearly being in shape is still important to you. Yeah. Why is that? So to that point of what you create, creates, and I really like that. I'm going to write that down and put it on my wall somewhere, I reckon. But I suppose, you know, your fitness and your physical vitality is a good place to start. You're about to create routines and start to, you know, carve out the body um, and the health that you want. You essentially bring on this identity of like, oh, I'm a fit and healthy person. And that plays out in so many positive ways. So that's a good place to start, I think, for people. Yeah. Has, uh, has, that, has that still to this day been a massive uh, role or idea for you, I suppose, is to keep fit and healthy? And how does that impact the work you do? Well, yeah, either look good, feel good, play good, man. If you think about it, if I look good, I feel good, I can operate good in the world. And it's not to say that you can't if you're not in shape, but I think the problem is, is one, you can't compare yourself to the people who like do it for a living. There's some people who all they have in their life is their body. And that's cool, but I'm not comparing myself to your six pack abs when I got two, bro. It's cool. I got arms, you know, <laughs> like I, I just want to know that I feel good about me because it's not always, it's not always a visual thing in the mirror. It's knowing that it, in those moments when no one's around that I hit that weight and I, I could have quit, but I got that next one in, or I, I didn't take that extra break or I finished the workout. Those little things stack, man. I mean, you get this confidence that lets you trickle into the rest of your life. I think what's unique about fitness, it's the, it's one of the few things that you can get an immediate response to an effort. And it's very, very intimate. Like it's you and your body. Like that's that's a private thing, right? So when I'm able to have like in this moment in the morning, me and my body, I get close to it. I push that little level. Do I go take a shower? I get out. I flex and flex in the mirror a little bit. You look good, bro. Even if you don't compare to somebody else, like I feel good. And guess what? Now your sales calls are good. Now your communication with your wife or your spouse is good. You're happy. So you come to relationship happy a little bit. And then there's joy. And so now when you guys have private dates, it's not talking about stuff you didn't do, but it's man, like this real good conversation or at work, people like you. You know what, what I find is those little moments allow you to get what I call a settled inside. And settled inside, when I say it, you can give a million meanings to it, but like, you know what I mean. If you just know when somebody is settled, like there's a sense of like warmth and like, you don't, you like being around them. But when they're not settled inside, you can feel it. Like you can feel the way people like their eyes dart, how they they talk bad about themselves weirdly. Like 
yeah, yeah I kind of suck at that, but I don't like they, they knock themselves down in my head. I'm like, why are you doing that to yourself? I don't even know you yet. Like, why, <laughs> why are you, you know? And so, and I'm like, man, like, it's just hard to be around those people. They talk a whole lot and like, you can't, you can't sit with them quietly. Like that's a big tell. If you can't sit with somebody quietly and be okay with that, like you got to break the silence. Like there's something unsettled with you. So like those kind of people, it's off. But if you can learn to do these things, like take care of your body and, and work hard towards something, you get more settled inside. And then you have this thing where, where maybe you've been trying to find a relationship. It's odd because now people are attracted to you. Because if I'm at a bar and you look across the bar and you see some, you know, woman or a guy, whatever you're attracted to. And, and like you just, there's some people you can look and be like, man, I want to go talk to them. I don't know why. They just got this smile and like they're, they're, the way they're moving. Like they just, I want to go talk to them. And you go talk to them. And if they have like this calm, this peace, like you want to be there and hang with them for a while. And that's kind of the thing that happens, not just in a bar, but it happens, you know, at, at work. It happens, you know, at, at school with a classmate or a colleague. Or we're going to study in a group together, whatever it is. People who are settled, like they attract more people to them. You find what you're looking for because you're you're in a place where it's you're now open to it more. Yeah, definitely. And I reckon it's, it's just an easy win, isn't it? Looking after your body. And I like that you mentioned it's, you're more interested and you're pretty in shape, but you're still more interested in how you feel um, and sort of reaching your potential, I suppose, vis-a-vis comparing to other people. So it just comes back to that idea of, you know, doing the work out of interest to be the person you want to be yep. as opposed to just achievement or attaining a certain, you know, status or look. Um, I really like that. Mm-hmm. That's all it is, man. It's, it's, that's what, I mean, fitness ties into its own, your own little personal thing. You figure it out, man. It'd be great. It's not, it's thing, people, you don't have to actually go and be a CrossFit person. You pukes all day because you're working out. Go for a walk, man. Just feel good about what you did. Just keep pushing yourself a little bit past your comfort zone. Because what I find is all these little things success-wise, if we were the person to have them, we'd have them. And the reason we don't is because our comfort zone of operation isn't in the level that will create that thing for my life. So when you're pushing comfort zones, you're pushing them to where that hard thing becomes easy, becomes your new normalcy. And when it's your new normalcy, things just come to you in life just like when fitness works. So just to wrap things up then, let's talk about the current situation where essentially all faced with, you know, you're over in the States at the moment. I'm here, of course, in Melbourne, Australia, uh, but COVID-19 sweeping the world, you know, it's affecting people differently. We're all faced with a challenge though, to some extent, whether it's, you know, limits to our work, you know, we're just talking off air about the impact on travel opportunities. So, you know, I think if anything, though, is an opportunity to take stock and kind of reflect and pivot potentially. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, the uncertainty, I had uh, Dr. Judd Brewer on the show last week, um, and we're talking about uncertainty and fear equals panic. You know, this idea of, you know, the, the uncertainty around what's happening, it's, it's a pretty crazy time. So, just on that, you know, are you still are you still working with clients? Is there a particular or a key message that you're sharing right now? Like, what are some of the takeaways? I suppose for um, even just myself, from a selfish point of view, I'm just trying to work out how I can use this time to. All right, should I be upskilling? Should I be learning a new skill? Should I be relaxing? Should I be, you know, taking inventory of um, my my habits? Like, what's how do you see the current situation? Yeah. It's, I mean, it's all vastly different for each person. I think the one thing is like the thing I'm good at is I, I get to shift with shifting times. Like when things operate and they change, like I'm really good at it. And essentially what it is, is in life, we typically have proactive and reactive ways to shift, right? So a lot of people proactively shift or grow. I'm going to go and, you know, increase my knowledge and create, like you're talking about proactively do it. The problem is everybody like, it's like they got punched in the chest. They're all reeling backwards. So everybody got, has to react right now. That's the worst place. If you're in a boxing match, 
you don't want to be going backwards because it's hard to get your footing to go forwards again. Yeah. So for a lot of people, they're still reeling and falling backwards and to figure out how do I get my footing? What's going on? And really at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to do it until you just make a decision to plant your foot in the ground and choose something. The thing is, you're not going to be right. You're not going to be wrong. I think that's the beautiful part about it is, is we're in this place where a lot of people, they want to know what you said. I want to know what I should do first. And I don't think there is a definitive first. I almost feel like it's kind of like a lot of people are like these, these Ferraris stuck in an intersection trying to figure out should they go left, right, or straight. And, and the problem is you're not getting any closer to your destination because you're still sitting in the intersection. So what I tell people is like, if I want to be able to delineate for sure which way to go, I got to choose a way and either let it tell me if it's right or wrong. So I'm going to go down this path. And if I get a mile down, I'm like, oh, no, not close. Now I can go back. And I got two ways to go. I'm not sitting there idling, waiting for three. But what's cool is I learned something while going down path number one. Like, it's not like I did it in a waste of time. So I come back and I do something new and I can go faster, whatever it may be. And so for people sitting there, I would tell you, yeah, read a book, write the book, whatever it is, dig into something. Because what happens it's this metaphor that I have is like everybody's seen track, right? Imagine you're getting ready for to do a, a track race. You're at the line, 100 meters, and all of a sudden the gun goes off and you're still down, like not even ready in the blocks and everybody else is taken off. Well, where are they all going? But what happens is I think how that ties life. A lot of people, what they're doing is they're, they pulled back from the world. They get secluded. They get tucked away and they're not connected. They're not in community. They're not in groups. They're not with coaches. So they don't have their ear to the ground. So when the world comes back and that gun goes off, the people who were connected, who were learning, who had ear to the ground, who were paid attention, who were in communities, they're going to have a place to go and the rest of the group starts running. And I think the people who are scared right now, they're going to be the ones sitting there on the ground like, what's going on? Where's everybody going? So my answer to you is choose something, but heavily lean into community, stay connected to people, but choose a path to go because no matter what you choose, it will create a different opportunity for you down the line. That me or you right now couldn't pick if we chose a million things. It'll just be one of these weird things. Maybe you learn this copywriting skill that you've really been putting off for a long period of time. And all of a sudden, the world comes back. And we find there's this new market for a new type of copywriting. Like, oh, well, everybody's talking about this COVID something copyright. Let me go ahead and do that. I got this skill I've been working on. Let's figure that out. Or maybe it's how to build an online, you know, I don't know, app or something that nobody else has done. Like, there's going to be something that the skill set can be applied to. So choose one and let that thing play itself out. Because most of the time, we don't know what's going to happen at the fork of the road. But I know that if you don't take one of the directions, you're going to be stuck at the square one again. Yeah, I like that a lot. I reckon intention is is the critical um, idea there, right? So just having intention with what you do. There's a lot of fatigue that comes from you know being stuck in decision. But like you said, I really like that idea as well. If you run in the wrong direction, at least you learn. You know, There's no real right or wrong as long as you've got sort of the intention to do it, I feel like the process in and of itself is kind of rewarding and exciting. Yeah, so yeah. I feel like that is a really good place to start for people, given where you know where we're at. Um, before we go, any any final idea? What's what's the impact that you want people to walk away with when you connect with them? Man, I, I, one of the biggest things is there's there's never. I mean, this is something I've heard before. It's never a time when you're far behind the ball. To be totally honest, there's like I've started super late in a lot of stuff. I didn't start football until six years after most of my peers, and still made it to the NFL. Like in the personal development world I'm in right now and the work I do, like I'm a person who I just do. I started at this thing maybe six years ago, like kind of got into it. Now I'm like, I'm in weird circles with some incredible minds and incredible hearts. And I'm telling you, the only difference is I just got to a point where I realized, okay, what are these, how do these people operate? That's the big thing. Look at the people who have what you want in life and don't think about how to get what they have. Think about how to be more like how they are, how they operate, how they see things. Read between the lines. Because what happens is when you become more like that, those things become normalcy and you get more of what they have. I like that. 
a lot, Anthony. Thanks again so much for carving out the time. Uh, how can people connect with you? Are you on socials? You've got a website? If people want to hear more, where do they go? No, I'm a ghost. I don't I don't exist anywhere but on your podcast. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm on Instagram at Anthony Trucks. Uh, there's actually an Anthony Trucks one. That guy's not me. It's it's a fake account that recently popped up. I don't know. That's weird. I guess you've made it once you got a fake account, right? <laughs> it's hella weird. <laughs> you've made it when you've got fake accounts. I'm still waiting for, for my fake account, but no one seemed interested. So maybe one day. Weird. I don't know what it is. Uh, and then uh, anthonytrucks.com. And if somebody wants to figure out kind of where, where their identity sits right now and how it affects their life and then how to shift it, anthonytrucks.com is a quiz you can take called the slower go quiz take that and they'll give you a good insight as to where you're at and then how you can shift to make things better absolutely well again i appreciate you carving out the time uh hopefully we can stay connected in the future i know you're uh i know you're off on a journey somewhere to continue the work you do um so i appreciate you yeah taking the time and i learned a lot and i'm sure the people listening did too very welcome and happy to be on thanks again for listening to this episode if you did enjoy it If you've got some sort of value from the episode, please do us a favor and subscribe to the channel. We've got lots more to come and share it with your friends and family. It all helps our mission of raising a million dollars towards brain injury recovery and research. So please share the podcast and I look forward to sharing more with you on another episode.